This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by rock sponsor Subsplash. Subsplash is a technology company that provides software solutions for churches and nonprofit organizations. Connect with Subsplash today at rockrms.com slash sponsors. Welcome back to Rockcast, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes with Spark Development Network and tell you what's going on with Rock. We're so thankful for our listening audience, which seems to be a great theme during this Thanksgiving season. I'm Emily Foreman, and of course I have here with me today John Edmiston and Nick Erdo, and we are going to get you all caught up on all things Rock. So we have to start with our latest version update. Nick, fill us in. All right. We are testing version 12.7. So at the time of this recording, we're about midway through the beta testing phase for 12.7. And then next week, it will be um, general access or general release, because I think all the 12s are now in general. That's true. It's just a a bunch of bug fixes for the most part. And um, we're just going to try and keep doing those probably maybe one more before the end of the year. But we are really anxious to get started on v13 so we're probably looking to start v13 alpha within the next couple weeks it just depends on a couple of timing things and Mm -hmm. things that are trying to get squeezed in at the last minute that never happens here never (laughs) (laughs) you guys are keeping a pretty good clip over there yeah there's it's it's a challenge there's Mm -hmm. so many things and so many pressures coming from different angles but um we manage it's really hard to understand or describe accurately how many things have to line up on all the different conveyor belts just right to have the next version come out of the chute. Yeah. So if sometimes it feels like a little arm wrestle we got to do. But yeah, there's certainly a lot of things being adjusted and I think there's this this release is a hard one because there's a lot of testing that's needed and it's there's a lot of areas that need testing that we as Spark don't have the best test data for, you know, mm-hmm. like the giving data. Our giving data does not match the typical giving data for a church. So uh, we are running it in a in a couple churches. So we're seeing some things. We're trying to uh, to fix them. Um, and so, but then, like you said too, there are some moving some moving feature lists that yeah. we keep adding mm-hmm. stuff to. So now I'm glad you mentioned that. We we are going to be making a concerted effort to move a bunch of people from beta to alpha. Those are people that really match our profile, the um, the approach that we want taken in alpha testing. So uh, some of the audience listening might be tapped on the shoulder to say, hey, we're moving you to alpha. And um, we're also looking for those alpha testers to volunteer to partner with us and, and provide us with some access to look at that data in alpha so we can make sure everything's perfectly dialed in for the stuff John was just mentioning. Yeah, and some of the bigger tool set, the bigger features that are in 13, we're, we're really kind of calling, even one that goes to full release, we're calling them in beta state. Like, mm. I, I feel like you know some of the giving tools, we really need people tr- trying those, testing those. Um, and I would say too, like, I know there's a lot of excitement for them. You jump in there, start using them, but don't don't like add all of your like executive team to these giving alerts until you've shaken them out until you understand because part of it's the tool set and the technology but part of it's your giving patterns like every church has slightly giving different giving patterns I would say do a little prototype for yourself 
then roll it out. Um, jumping into to, to getting your senior leadership on, on the first run oh is boy. probably not a, a great idea. I mean, just go slow. You might trip and face plant if you're not careful. Yeah, I mean, we certainly um, have learned that ourselves over yeah. the years too. You know, it's like you get excited and I, I get it. Like I've been there. I've done that. Um, but try before you go show the, the executive team. And that that has to be one. I think that is the most sophisticated data modeling analysis part of rock ever, right? Yeah. And another thing that we're doing too right now is we're spending a lot of time in the documentation. So Colin on our team who does all the documentation, um, we're spending a lot of time with him trying to, you know, not only show, you know, what buttons to push, but what's the strategy behind this. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, we've been working on these tools for so long, we've kind of forgotten uh, or not forgotten. I guess it, I think it's because we know it. We f- we forget that we need to say it because we've always already, you know, it's become part of us now. Like, oh, that's, yeah, of course you shouldn't say it that way. Um, but now we're trying to get all those things. We're all, we're kind of constantly calling him down here to the other side of of the of our of our little office and saying, "Oh yeah, hey, we we just remembered something else we need to put in the documentation. Like, put this little tidbit in there too." So yeah, uh, definitely read the docs. The docs will be a moving target too. Um, but we're trying to invest um, good time into that. Yeah. So that that's the version update, but I also think that's a little bit of what, of what we're working on, which I think John's going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So definitely working on getting 13 fully out. And that, like we've been saying, is a moving target and we're trying to work on the documentation and a lot of polish and stuff like that. Um, also working on like, you know, what's on some what's next type stuff. So doing some kind of research on that. I think there are some things, you know, that we're experimenting with that, you know, some features you can just drive from point A to point B. Some features you got to you got to take a journey and you got to try something and then, oh, that doesn't work. And then, you know, iterate and innovate from there. And I think there's a few of those things that are kind of in the crock pot right now. Um, just also looking at some other tools that extend our reach, uh, our rocks reach in the area of digital strategy, other mediums that we can, you know, potentially hit. Um, I think it's been kind of interesting just over the last few weeks, though, just working with some churches on some of what they're kind of wanting and, and seeing some new things like, oh, wow, yeah, you know, we could build that out. Or, um, you know, one of my hobbies, personal hobbies, is just going through a bunch of filters and, and nets of different blogs and outlets of information. And I'm always inspired by even small things. Like the other night I was reading about this um, newsletter service. So it's, it sends you like a, you subscribe to it via email and it sends you a newsletter, which seems so old school, right? Like, oh gosh, how like early 2000s was that? But it's really neat what some of the concepts and some of the personalizations and some of the drip campaigns that you can put together with this little tool. And I'm like thinking, gosh, this is like, it's it's some really clever ideas, but nothing that Rock couldn't easily do. Like we have the content channels. And um, so I get frustrated with stuff like that because I'm like, oh, I want to, I just need like a, you know, maybe five hours to under, understand this tool and then like design it up. And, but there's really hard to find those five hours. So I constantly am emailing myself these links so that I can get time in the future to do, to go through. But I, I literally have probably like 30, 40 links like that, just waiting. Um, and people think it's weird because I get the most email from myself. Like I'm constantly emailing myself like links and little things. And, um, 
Monday mornings are actually one of my most frustrating times because that's when I have to go through the weekend load of things I've emailed myself over the weekend and have to go like get them into the right buckets that I can get back to them when I have time. Um, you have a pretty good idea organization system, though, that you've developed over time, don't you think? Maybe. I'm frustrated by it because I, you know, it's it's the fault of the tool makers. <laughs> My grandfather always said he was a construction you know, he ran his own construction company. He was always like, never blame, a good craftsman never blames his tools. Well, I'm going to blame my tools, right? Because <laughs> I can't find a good note strategy. My favorite note tool was... Evernote. Well, no, it was actually oh. Google Notes. Or was it called Notes? And they, and like Google does, they make something that's kind of helpful and then they get rid of it. And I had, so I had to like find a new home, hmm. but I loved it. It was so lightweight, so quick, so easy. And so then I moved to Evernote and then of course they, I don't know, they've stopped innovating and then they change your monetization strategy. And now if you don't pay, you're basically like, it's useless. So now I'm using OneNote, which is okay, but I don't know. I feel like someone could really innovate in that space um, and win. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I'm kind of frustrated. The worst thing for me, though, is if I lose an idea, like I'll spend hours trying to find it. Like, where where'd that go? They're like little nuggets of gold to me. And I, if I lose them, it very much frustrates me. Um, and if I can't find it, like I know it's here, like I get really stressed out. So, yeah, I don't know if I like my, I'm probably, it's probably better than the average bear, but I don't. You don't love it. No, I feel like I could do better. But I'm going to blame my tools again. So we're kind of in that state of trying to figure out the next steps on some other things. And, you know, we have some other cool projects going on. And, you know, I've been spending some time lately trying to train some of our staff on some new things. We have some new staff and um, it's kind of training them. I was training someone this week on how to do some workflows in Lava. And, and you know, they're really getting it. It was, it was kind of fun. I was like, they're kind of seeing like, oh, wow, you could do all this stuff. And honestly, I was using tools I don't typically use because I, I was showing them how to use the um, the Lava tester that you wrote, Nick. Yeah. I don't typically use that because I, I, I don't know. I, I should use it more after using it this week. I'm like, gosh, I could probably save some time using this. Um, but I was training him how to use it. I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like, um. So and it's very quick. I mean, that, I think that's the main selling point. Like, yes. it's quick, and then there's a couple of edge cases that are really hard to do elsewhere. It's like, mm-hmm. if it involves a workflow or a group or something. Yeah, and I was doing stuff with workflows, and usually I resort to just the hard way, which oh. is slower. But I usually can get it within two tries, yeah. so it's not that big of a deal. But um, but if man, if you can't, man, that's a lifesaver. Um. But also been putting out some some content, like writing and doing mm-hmm. some some videos. Um, I would say there's one on problem solving that you should really check out. It's 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 helped me a ton. Like I, it's changed. And, and you know, sometimes you know, like when the problem comes to Nick and I, it's like usually the hardest ones. Mm-hmm. And if you use that strategy, that mental strategy, you can get through it. Otherwise, you get so, or I get so frustrated or, or stressed because it's like, how are we ever going to find this needle in a haystack? But if you take a methodical approach, which this outlines, um, it really helps you out. And um, so I'd highly recommend that one. That one's I've been wanting to make that video for literally for probably like three or four years. And it's probably a work in process. So I'll probably redo it. That's already the second. What's out so, there is the second yeah. try. So, mm-hmm. um, so I better watch it, not finish watching it. I'm halfway through. Otherwise, it's going to change. 
Maybe. But you you already do a lot of that stuff, so you kind of know it already. The good news is if you can implement that across a team, um, typically the really hard problems escalate, right? So one person or one team tries it, then it moves to the next. If you can implement that uh, process across your team, then you're not just redoing each other's work all the time. It can really help uh, expedite things too for escalation. Yeah, and I would say too, like we all think that the people who solve the hard problems solve them because they're smarter or have more experience. And while having more knowledge and more experience does help, the the way you approach the problem is probably way more important than the knowledge and experience. Um, and to think that the people with more knowledge and experience have less fear of those problems is is not true. Like, oh, that's an interesting statement. When it comes down the hall, like, trust me, like, I don't care if it goes to Nick or me. Like, we're like, oh, no. Like, in our heads, we're not necessarily going, oh, no problem. Like, it's we get stressed out. We're afraid of, like, how are we ever going to solve this? Mm-hmm. And I just go to my, you know, my thing, okay, well, just, just follow the process, you know, don't stress out, like, I think there is a big assumption that someone who has more experience or seems to have um, accomplished uh, harder things in a particular area where the problem's located just kind of maybe has that encyclopedia in their head and doesn't get stressed out and is pretty confident. I think that probably is an assumption that people carry. Yeah. In fact, I was listening to a podcast this week and it was about a doctor and he said he's more of a, a, he comes off like a clinical doctor. So he would walk into an ICU ICU room and have to deduce what the problems might be. And he said in the beginning, yeah, he didn't, he would use the, the method, like he was trusting his method to, to, to get there. And now he says, like, well, I can walk into a room and, and I can know a lot of things just right off just because I have, I have experience. But it's not, it's not that then he just throws away his method. Mm. He just, maybe some things come easier or, or you know what I would almost think it is because I see this in myself is like the method becomes almost like hardwired in your mind that your brain is actually just following the method without actually thinking it is so like the, the synapses are already firing in that way and so the answers come quicker because it's going down like pre-wired you know patterns mm-hmm. um, but you don't get those patterns in your head until you follow that methodical approach and I just find in my experience most people don't follow that methodical approach. They take a berserker approach and it's like, bah, and they're just like changing everything. And they're actually making the problem worse and harder to, to solve. Mm-hmm. And they need to slow down, follow the methodical approach. And then the methodical approach becomes the approach that just becomes hardwired in your head. Mm-hmm. And therefore, that's why it comes faster and seems easier. But didn't mean to get on that tangent, but. <laughs> no, it's a good one. I, there's no one out there that doesn't run into issues they don't know how to solve. I mean, that's life, right? You're going to run into things you don't know how to solve. So having a proven methodology is beneficial, whether your problem is technology related or something else. Yeah. And this isn't innovated here. This is stuff that, you know, I was taught at at, at a Allied Signal Honeywell. And, you know, there they were trying to solve critical problems in jet engines. And um, you think, Yes, very you, critical. <laughs> you think what we have is stressful. I mean, if you don't know why jet engines stop running and while flying, that's pretty stressful. Mm. <laughs> um, luckily, that was not my problem. I was just helping support the people whose problem that was. Um, but I learned, by, by going through their training mm. process, I learned a lot and really respected that a lot. I think one of the 
things that come to my mind was I, I was in this uh, engineer. He's very old school engineer. I was at the time starting at the time when, you know, computers are definitely everywhere, but some of the old school guys, you know, didn't often use them. I remember going to this guy's office and, uh, it was probably about 11 a.m. I had my meeting with him and I was in his office and I said, hey, I don't know if you saw the email I sent over, which is some of the stuff we were maybe agenda for this meeting. He's like, oh, you haven't turned my computer on yet. Yeah. <laughs> like it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> oh, <dude>. my gosh. <laughs> but he was old school. But he had a bookcase behind his desk and it was filled with all of these like leather bound books. And I'm like, what are those? You know, I was a curious kind of guy. I'd ask any question. And he's like, oh, those are my notes. And wow. he just randomly took one off the shelf, opened it up, and it was like a ledger. It was like an accounting ledger, but, you know, lined and everything. And he had all of his notes from every meeting. And he's like, this this bookcase is, like, almost priceless because people come in here and ask me about this model engine, that, you know. On, and he goes, I can pull in, you know, I know the year. I can pull up that year. I can find any note, you know, in this. Wow. And I was just so impressed by that. And I actually followed that process for a while. Anyway, I actually got the same ledgers he had and... I was just thinking the other day, I should go, I should go back to that because I was never more prepared. In fact, I remember consulting once at Dial. This was between Honeywell and moving into the church space. I was consulting at Dial and I was, I was only supposed to be at, at Dial Soap for like a couple of weeks helping him with the document management project. And um, I remember I, they didn't, no one had a network map. And I was like, well, I need to know like from a firewall perspective how we're going to architect this. And I went over to the network guy and I kind of, mapped it in my little book, my little journal book. And um, I remember before I left, a couple of people came up to me and said, hey, before you leave, can, can, you, um, can you make a copy of like, your <laughs> notebook of some of these notes? Because like, these guys have like, worked there forever and they didn't have any, any wow. maps. I'm like, oh, sure, yeah. I actually, you know, on my own time, I just made a nice digital one for them. But I just remember thinking, gosh, that's kind of weird that they don't have that. But okay, so now we're really off topic. <laughs> we're back to notes, though, if you noticed. Yes. So I think methodical approach, and I yeah. think we've been working really hard on our with our team mm-hmm. on really, you know, what does it mean to like to be a professional, you know, IT, you know, person. I mean, I think the term now is engineer. Like everybody wants to be an engineer, and that you know, it's cool. Whatever term floats your boat. But engineer is a very important term and it's it's one that needs to be taken serious i think i've said it before like my my dad was an you know an engineer he's a metallurgical engineer and he took that really serious and you know that was state licensed all that stuff and i don't think if i told him i that we our industry calls us us engineers he would probably say well you acting like one like i mean you taking it that mm-hmm. seriously and i think we have to we always want these titles but we have to treat them with respect otherwise they'd lose their meaning Great point. Another topic I think people are interested in, problem solving is really critical because everyone runs into problems and it's a universal um, value to our listeners. But another one we just keep hearing about over and over, and sometimes in the context of rock features and sometimes in the context of um, just custom uh, responses to things their leadership wants, is the concept of the dashboard inside rock. So it would be really helpful, I think, to just share some thoughts about dashboards in Rock, what makes them successful. Um, is that a potential feature? How might it be constructed if so? And what do we need to know right now about custom dashboards? What kind of approaches are valuable and helpful? Yeah, that's really good. I, you know, first of all, I'd say it's not a, this is not a technical problem. 
first. Whoa, foremost. pause on that for a minute. It's not a technical problem. It's a it's yeah. an information design problem. And I, I've worked on a lot of dashboard projects, especially at CCV. And I started with going back to go to Amazon, find the books, right? And I know that's so old school. Probably just dated myself, but go find books on how to build dashboards, how to build KPIs. You know, go get yourself schooled first because I think the executive teams at most churches, some of them, some of them have people on them who who get these concepts. Some of them have heard these concepts. So you you got to become a consultant first, and it's not a technical consultant; it's like a business strategy consultant mm-hmm. or business data consultant because you can't you're just going to make a bigger mess if you start just jumping in and start writing SQL. Like SQL is not the first step in this process, right? It's like probably <laughs> the hundredth step. You have to understand like what 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 are you trying to achieve? And you know, Emily, I know you're on a call with with myself on with Greg Weens um who helps us with all the assessments. He's been doing we've been doing some work with him on just understanding the assessments better, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting. We're going to be talking about that. Um, but he said something that blew my mind too. And, um, he, and I know there's a term for it and I wish I had it, um, in front of me, but he said, when your measure becomes your goal, it no longer turns into a good measure. Mm -hmm. So if attendance is your measure and it turns into a goal, then it no longer is a good measure. And so understanding some of those concepts and becoming, trying to be a consultant to that process, um, is super important. Um, trying to understand like, well, what, why do you want to measure that? It goes back to that. I think there's a video we've done on that too. Like you got to say why five times mm-hmm. to understand like what's the real reason mm-hmm. of what we're trying to do. So I'd start there as, as boring as it is. And, and if that stops the whole dashboard project, good. Like if, if someone doesn't want to take the time to do that, they just want to jump to the SQL or jump to the design. That's probably good because that's probably just going to be a wasted effort. Honestly, if you don't want to go do the research and, and become an expert in that, um, it doesn't have to be like two years, right? You could mm-hmm. do it probably in two months. Um, I remember when we did that, I would go back and say, okay, I got all that. So then I had to start sourcing the data. Okay, so you want to measure um, how many people come came on a weekend. How do we measure that? Well, usually it was the usher count, right? So then I would go on the weekend and go to the usher who does the count, and i try to understand his usher counts. And then I understood that there was some adjustments made to usher counts, and I would try to understand, well, why were those adjustments made? And, and then it turns out, well, we actually really had two counts. And then I found that we had actually three different types of counts. <laughs> and it was sourcing all that <clears throat> information um, before I even got to, to design. So trying to understand all that. And the whole way you want to be documenting this, because if you don't document how it's measured Whatever dashboard you create has to tell you that information. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a little link at the bottom that says, how are these measures measured? Because um, someone's going to go and call foul within the year and say, well, how is this measured? Yep. Well, you got to go back. Like, you know, I get this from that lead usher who measures by counting each you know, section. A section leader will can't do the, document all that. And how many minutes into the service? Do they? Do- yes. Yep. Someone's going to ask oh, that. That's a good point. And you have it when you when you're doing your research, um, and then eventually you'll get to the design. And again, I would start with a pencil. I go back to like at Honeywell, like Cliff Triplett was my director. I came out of college, and he would say, "Never do something uh, on a computer that you haven't done on paper, like with a pencil." 
And so maybe that doesn't mean pencil in this case, but it means probably do it in PowerPoint before you do it mm. in rock. Mm-hmm. It's easy to change PowerPoint, very hard. Figma, whatever tool you want. Do it a couple of weeks, do it a month or two, and you're going to get a lot of changes. Um, you know, we did ours in Word and Excel um, at CCV for a couple rounds, and then we did it in our church management tool. So don't jump. I feel like most people are going to want to jump in right to the, mm-hmm. like, let's write some SQL. And that might be a good tool to get you, like, some rough data, but don't just consider that thorough way, like, um, and go figure out where this is all sourced, get that all documented. We have a new saying within our team, too, which you might like uh, as a as a community. Like, do you know that description field in, in Rock? The one that doesn't have a red dot next to it, assume it has a red dot. Every description field in Rock is required is a required field for our team. But for working internally or working with a client, it's a required field. Description is a required field. Um, it's probably too heavy-handed as a core team for us to actually make that a feature because you know some people would go crazy and they probably just type in gibberish anyways. But for us, it is required. Um, but yeah, so prototype it in some other tool. Um, and then as we talk about dashboarding as a feature, which is a feature we're interested in, as we've done prototypes, the one thing I can tell you is there's no silver bullet for this. I, I almost don't want to do the feature because I don't think we can get pe- people what they want in terms of expectation. Mm. Um, as we work through it internally, as we work with dashboards, we have a set of like reusable components that mm-hmm. we use that we kind of go to. Um, and so I think the best thing we can do is provide limits like standardization, like, I'm sorry, we can't draw everything in the world, but we can draw, the, here, here's our reusable, like, couple Legos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like the expectation might be that we want the ability in Rock just to make anything and pull from anything yeah. and, and then be performant, you know, at all times. And That's a good uh, point as well. Yeah, because I think a lot of the, perf- of, of the teams are working on this are finding that it's often good to use persistent data sets and and not make it real time. Mm-hmm. And then we have some s- patterns where we just put, you know, data as of, and then we put the date mm-hmm. of date and time. Because most of the time it's like, I don't, it's like Wednesday. Like this weekend attendance doesn't often change on a Wednesday. And when it does, <laughs> it's probably for a very bad reason. <laughs> Someone's playing with your numbers. Stop it. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to that. Um, I know the in- internal team also, even this week, um, standardized all the icons they use mm-hmm. for for dashboards, which I thought was really cool. Um, so you know, baptism is the tent icon, which I think ever that's pretty standard. Like, but but they would they have a whole sheet of them, and I just think that's really cool. Like, why? Yeah, why? Why should everybody use a different icon for you know some of these random topics? Um, I love that 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 level of maturity that comes. To, to the to that you know um, but I guess to get off my soapbox or to repeat my soapbox is like don't jump to just solving it a dashboard project is not a one week project it's not a <laughs> four week project it's a multi-month project because it should start with research it should start with interviewing it should start with then go to design then go to iterative design and then you're doing your final <clears throat> And that's probably not what you're going to be handed by your executive leadership, even an expectation that it will take a long time. 
Um, in many cases, I have heard that uh, an executive team may hand down a, a, a term and say, I want to measure this word and I want it to be in these colors with this type of chart. And that's not a starting point. Um, that's, you know, that's uh, something to shoot for, but that's not the place. You can't go from that to solution. Mm-hmm. And that's where you might need to quickly do a test and say, I understand what you said. Are you, are you interested in doing it exactly this way? Or are you saying that you want to measure these whys and this is your initial thought? Because if they say, no, it's exactly what I want, I might recommend waving the, red, the white flag and just saying, okay, well, this, they just want this. It's, this is not a strategic dashboard. Mm-hmm. They, they might think in their terms it is. It might but appear to be. You're just going to end up with... 10 or 20 of these like random thoughts and then your data is just going to be a mess and but you can't buck necessarily the system if that's if they're but they might think they're asking for strategic so you might right. need to put on your detective hat first and say okay let me do a little investigation into this and come back with a few questions or decision points that will help me know how you want this to be put together and then um outlined what some of those decision points might be. Are we really going exactly like this? Could we go this direction? And it might just be that they didn't have the information needed to know there was a decision point there. Yeah. Or sometimes maybe you think, oh, no, they're very, I don't want to use the word hard-headed, but I'm going to, about this. And Mm -hmm. you do it that way. But -hmm. then don't stop. Then go come up with another more strategic idea that you can go back to them and say, hey, you know, you really got, you really were inspiring me with this. And, you know, of course we did it the way exactly what you wanted, but you yeah. really inspired me. And I was thinking like, what if, and then you can present another idea, um, but you've already checked their box. You've, mm-hmm. you've already showed, you know, you're not being disobedient. You did it what they wanted, but then you went back, read some more books, read some design. And also too, is like, these dashboards are very much an information design projects are like they're very creative mm. and you have to be thinking about cognitive load you have to be thinking about you know what what is what am i trying to do? what am i trying to show with this data so that that that's your eye sees that we talk a lot about that too internally too is like a lot of this is graphic design mm-hmm. and we want to reduce cognitive load we want to figure out what does the person want to be able to quickly scan and see and then we want to present that the problem often becomes is that people get used to their charts and their tables. And so they come to us sometimes and say, I, this is what I want, exactly this. Mm-hmm. And that's what, again, we just say, okay, well, is this, is this a good starting point? Or is this, are you telling me this is the ending point? But sometimes, you know, we get told it's the ending point. And I, f- I feel badly because I think to them, they know that chart, but to the people who are also using that chart and inside their churches, the staff who don't mm-hmm. live and breathe that chart, they, their eyes go cross because my eyes go cross. Like I don't understand it. It takes me forever to understand it. And while that is the center of that person's universe and they understand it, they have to understand that most people on staff, that's not the center of their universe and they don't. It's not easy to understand. Yeah, and so they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. They just go, yeah, I guess I just send in my numbers because that's what I need to do, but I don't understand this chart and I don't know why it matters to me. Mm-hmm. So basically a lot to unpack inside the dashboard concept. It isn't an A plus B equals C. There's just a, um, 
it needs to meet your organization's needs the right way. Performance is important. Design is important. Um, what data is most critical? John, you like to say to the team, and I think it's a really um, a great approach that a quick way to know about cognitive uh, load is to just close your eyes, open your eyes, and see what jumps out at you first. And then that's what you're—that's what you've just told everyone is the most important on the page. Mm-hmm. And that's a great tip. Yeah, and just. When you open your eyes again, just track where your eyes go from. Mm-hmm. Like they look here, they look there. I mean, I do that all day. Like just okay, close my eyes, open my eyes. Where am I looking? Mm-hmm. And I go from here to here to here to here. Is that the right order? If not, change your information hierarchy to make it the right order. Um, and I'd say if there's if no one's asking for a dashboard right now, but you think that that could be coming, get prepared right now. Start reading the books. <laughs> like because the worst thing is when they want it and you're not ready. They often don't want to hear. Let me go read a book because mm-hmm. they're like, we don't got time for that. <laughs> like, you know. So prepare yourself, um, and it it can be fun. Mm-hmm. So I also wanted to mention that our funding update. We spent some time in our last um, regular edition podcast talking about the uh, change to the funding model for next year. And what that meant and and why and how and what we were looking to do, which is basically reset the funding to be at an appropriate level for what Rock is today, which is drastically more all-encompassing than what it was when it was originally um, created. And to do that, we basically need to pretty much double the funding of Rock. And so we had crafted a way to do that that made sense, um, which is to say, let's take the amount per weekend attendee and increase that in order to increase the funding and have that still weighted appropriately across organization sizes. So this feels like a good time to continue giving an update on how that's going. One of the things that has been an unexpected um, uh, little bit of confusion, I think, just because of the whole COVID scenario, is what does attendance even mean? And attendance has kind of historically been that item that we've uh, attached our funding model to because it's a number that everybody has. Um, But with COVID, a lot of attendance moved online instead of in person. And so it's been a little bit hard to say what that is. And at our last podcast, we mentioned, hey, don't adjust your numbers now. People are still coming out of what is COVID. Some people have moved more online instead of in person. And there isn't a universal way to track online attendance right now, like there is a universal way to um, to track number of people in seats. Like that's just something that is pretty mostly universal, although with the different counts. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, we had mentioned, don't don't adjust your numbers right now. Your number can still be pre-COVID. Let's assume that it is. What this really is about is about adjusting um, the funding for Spark. So we've kind of aggregated changes so far. Here we are. It's uh, November of 2021, right before Thanksgiving, in case someone's listening to this in the future. And um, we have about 24% of churches that had a commitment that have updated their commitment since this request. So um, it will be something we want to put in place by January. Currently, we're about a quarter of the way there of people looking at it. In total, what we've seen is an increase of about $140,000, which is good. Um, We've also simultaneously seen a decrease in attendance of 49,000. So 
the increase, decrease, there's the whole calculation there. It's not surprising to see that people are adjusting their attendance numbers down. Like I understand it. It is a little bit confusing, but if that's being used as the reason to change a commitment, it's kind of not actually the way that was intended. And that's not what's happening in every case, but um, it's just something to point out like that it, that will impact the funding model as it was intended to be used in order to fund Spark and Rock correctly. And so that's just something I think we should point out and keep in front of all of us as as a community. We're trying to make sure that the funding is properly set so Rock can continue to move forward at, at a good pace. Yeah, and we're still dedicated to a very difficult model. I mean, it'd be yes. so much easier for us to just switch to a, <laughs> a good point. consumer model that is like, you know, this is it. And that's what every other system you're using in your church is. Like, go to your accounting, you know, system vendor and ask if they do this by donation. Can I go on a donation model? They're gonna like probably laugh. <laughs> and and oftentimes those systems are as expensive or more expensive, many times more expensive than what Rock is. But the impact Rock is having in your church is is huge. And we just want to make sure we can continue that impact mm-hmm. and expand that impact as we have over the last you know four or five years. Um, we want to continue to expand the impact and to the to your ministry that Rock is having, right? And that just takes funding. It, it's true, and we are in the position of being stewards of your investment for the best go forward plan for Rock, and that's why we just want to be absolutely transparent in what that looks like and how it's going, because um, we're we're just here to try and help move this project forward, and it really is a, a community responsibility. Yeah, and it, it's actually a community request too. Like we've it absolutely is so many times over the last twelve months. Like our ministry is relying on this tool. Like make sure that it doesn't go away. And as we grow, it just gets harder to scale without additional resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to put words to that because, like, what you, when you used to be a, just like a couple people, it was like you're just it's more efficient to do things. Right, you have it one person just knows and can go do like all those things, but as it scales and gets bigger, it's just naturally less efficient. Yeah, it is. You can't turn around in your chair and go, Hey John and Nick, guess what? And then everybody's in the know Mm -hmm. and you can all move forward. It it just, it's the nature of an organization with Mm -hmm. growth. So what's going on as far as rock events, quick catch up. Don't forget RX 2022 registration is open. Get signed up. We experienced pretty much a sellout of the hotel rooms last year with a smaller attendance. This year will be in-person only attendance. We're not going to have a virtual option. And so we definitely recommend getting your hotel room booked early um, because we don't believe that that is going to have any issues with selling out again, probably earlier than it did last year. So don't forget, book your hotel and um, book your conference ticket. Let us know you're coming. We are actively working on all things RX 2022 now, and you'll continue to see some of that made public as it's ready and available. We're super excited about the conference um, this next year. Lots of of effort, lots of meetings, lots of Mm -hmm. just thinking about 2022. It's so funny that by the time the event comes, it sometimes feels old to us because we've been thinking and working on it for like over a year. It's so true. Lots of details for an event like that. But there is, and there's more details coming soon, but there is going to be a pre-day like That's with, right. with some content. like um, Not just the fun part, which definitely we will be doing in the yes. evening before. So plan that late afternoon, evening, fun stuff, be there. But to your point, John, there's some other cool things we're doing. Yeah. So, you know, be thinking about that before you get your plane ticket, that there will be an optional mm-hmm. f- pre-day that's going to be content-based on mm-hmm. 
much more deeper, probably like yeah. content, more technical content, not new to rock content. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and that's again, all from, um, input from the community. Yes. So plan the, you know, the days of the conference, the day before that is probably going to be jam packed with some good stuff too. Yeah. Optional, but you want to know about it in case you want to yep. book travel. Definitely. Uh, classes. So we are right now in the middle of a Rock 101 and 102 class, which is that very high-level survey. Uh, some of you are actively involved in church discussions with churches that are interested in Rock. Thank you, by the way. That's so helpful. One great opportunity for someone that's really interested in Rock is to have them take the Rock 101 and 102, and they'll get an overview survey of what features are inside Rock and how they're intended to work together. They'll also have the opportunity to use a, a Rock instance to try a few things out while they're doing it. So it's kind of an extended demo um, for someone who is interested in leading their team through that um, move to Rock potentially. It's a great option for that. Um, we, I think it might be our largest class for that right now. We have 28 people going through that, um, this week wow. and next week or last week, I guess. Masterclass, our next one coming up is in February and I think we have six people registered so far. Those tend to be, uh, pretty, um, in demand as well. So if your budget for next year includes masterclass for anyone on your team, go ahead and get them registered for that, uh, class as well. And Sequel for Rock continues to be very popular. That's coming up in January for the next class instance. And we already have 16 people registered for that. So um, we do have some caps on those. And you want to make sure that you get that uh, registration in as soon as you can. Some great classes. Mm-hmm. So last topic we wanted to kind of just mention, we'll go quickly on this one, but it is Thanksgiving, so it's time to be thinking about things that we're thankful for. And, and I think what we want to do is just encourage everybody to go out and, and thank one person, whether it's in the community or in your career, you know, think about that person that you can reach out and just, and just show some appreciation to. I think sometimes when we do these things though, it, it's, these are the less followed through on mm-hmm. like concepts. And I think as a community, if we think about the one community and, and making a huge impact and what huge means, um, I think, you know, it, being thankful is is like the 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 spring that that provides that river of generosity and and um, unity. And so I would just say, find somebody in your life that you can write an email or a handwritten letter. And it sounds weird, but those things mean so much to the people who receive them. Um, I would just say find someone who maybe introduced you to or hired you into your first ministry job send them an email or a handwritten letter just saying, thanks for doing that. It made a huge difference in your life. Um, if everybody just does one, mm-hmm. and you could do more, if everybody just does one, it can have a huge impact. That's a great reminder, John. I used to have a habit of writing a handwritten note to someone every Friday morning, and I've gotten well off track with that. I want to do that again. Here I am putting it out there, my accountability. I want to get back onto that because um, it's something I think about, but if I don't express it, that person will never know. And what a blessing to someone's life. Life is hard, right? Things are challenging and troubles come people's way. And that I know when I receive something like that, it, it completely changes my perspective for you know, multiple days on end. Um, and additionally, I've been doing a lot of reading about neuropsychology lately and just the way that 
your actions create memories in your brain and those memories end up creating habits and those pathways that make things easy. And they literally rewire and change the way you think. And when you are able to create habits of uh, gratitude, it changes the way you approach life and it changes the way that you interact with people. And, um, and it's just so very valuable that we approach life that way because otherwise the reason sometimes that falls off and we just don't get to it is just busyness. And so we're, we're, our brains are rewiring every day and we're, we can choose to rewire them in things that are very positive. Busyness happens and a lot of us just choose or don't choose and it is done for us to just wire and wire and wire ourselves for more efficiency, more push, more endurance, more whatever that is. And those are all great. But if we don't balance them with, um, with the generosity and, and empathy and other people, um, you know, we can find ourselves over time with some wondering why our life is looking a certain way. And those habits are things that we create on a daily basis by the choices that we make and what it does to our minds. Yeah. And I think we undersell what the impact is to the person. Totally. I mean, I have a box at home that has, I think, every letter that's ever been written to me like that and all the way back to Honeywell. I do too. So it, it matters to people. It and means I, a lot. I don't think we're unique on that. Um, no, and I think we undersell what it means to us too if we do it. Yep. So highly encourage it. We have a community. The community is the first thing on our minds when it comes to rock, not technology, community. So that's why we want to really emphasize that. And, it, and don't and don't limit it to just actually the rock community, but anybody who you feel God puts on your heart, go with that. In that spirit, I think we should give a quick shout out to Jim Michael, who's been our faithful podcast um, uh, helper for many years. And he takes every podcast we record, he cuts it down, puts it into the right format, sends it back and is um, does a great job at making what we say accessible to the community. So thank you very much, Jim. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. And he often has to edit out all kinds of shenanigans. <laughs> let's <Things>. say that <laughs> shenanigans, no. but sometimes just mess ups. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> sometimes it's been known that someone will say, stop Jim, edit that piece out. And then it magically gets taken out. It's typically not me, but <clears throat> just kidding. It's most commonly me. Thanks again, Jim. And thank you, all of you listeners and members of the community. Um, Rock is really what it is because of you. We appreciate you. Um, and it's not seasonal. So thank you so much for everything that you do to contribute. And thanks for joining us. This episode of Rockcast is brought to you by Rock sponsor IT OneSource. Any IT products and services solutions can be acquired through IT OneSource. Connect with them today at rockrms.com/sponsors. <laughs> <laughs>